A purple and gold good day to you and welcome into the JMU Sports Update podcast presented by United Bank with absolutely free checking. Hello everyone, I'm Kurt Dudley, Director of Broadcast Services and the All Sports Voice for the Dukes. And on today's Sports Update podcast, a little news and notes from this week. And looking ahead to the weekend, the JMU Baseball Dukes open up their home schedule, entertaining the Falcons of Bowling Green State University out of the Mid-American Conference. And we'll have a little preview on JMU Baseball. And that's presented to you by Shelby Walker and Gabby Leggett. Also an update on JMU basketball. Both teams about ready to open up Colonial Athletic Association Championship Tournament play. The Dukes are actually hosting on the men's side. The tournament begins on Saturday. The men play at 2.30 on Sunday against the winner between Saturday's number 8 and number 9, Elon, and Towson Battle. So we have Tucker Stunts and Noah Ziegler on board to talk JMU basketball. JMU football on the road for the first time during this spring season, facing the Phoenix of Elon, opening up a six-game CAA schedule. It is the home-and-home. The Dukes open up league play against the Phoenix of Elon, the former uh, stomping grounds of JMU head coach Kurt Signetti. The Dukes will actually close the season, the regular season, against the Phoenix as well, and will play William & Mary and Richmond twice in between. Carter Inslee is with us today. He'll take a look at this weekend's matchup. Let us begin with a historical win for the JMU women's lacrosse program under head coach Shelley Clays, who played her lacrosse for the Dukes, was an All-American back in the 1990s. Well, she and the Dukes won the 500th game for the program on Wednesday. It came in pretty easy fashion against an outman George Mason squad, 19-2. A little uh, insight there, Mason played without two of its top players. And quite frankly, I got the roster, updated roster, just before the game began. There were a lot of scratches, and there were a lot of second, third teamers on the field for the Patriots in that contest. Nonetheless, it was a record-setting performance for the Dukes. JMU got out of the gates in a hurry, peppered the net with great uh, high efficiency. Casey Knobloch, she had an early hat trick, tying her a career high with three goals in the game. And ultimately, 12 Dukes scored in the contest. That makes the Dukes, who are ranked number 12 in the country this week, 2-0 on the young season. And they join the likes of Maryland, Penn State, Virginia, and Loyola of Maryland as the only programs in the country at the Division I level with 500 wins to the program's credit. The Dukes opened up that game against George Mason, scoring 10 straight goals, led 11-1 at the halftime, added six more to open up the second half, and tallied the last two goals for the final margin. JMU again had 12 scores and six with two or more goals, led by Knobloch with her hat trick. Turning over to women's golf, a nice charge. Uh, Coming out of the gates, the Dukes were 21st out of 41 teams this past week at the Kiwa Island Classic, hosted by the College of Charleston. But the Dukes, they ended up finishing in ninth. And freshman Amelia Williams, she was extremely consistent. Redshirt freshman Kendall Turner, those two led the way on the final round Tuesday. Williams wrapped up her week for uh, going 12th among 210 players, firing her third straight round of 72. That was a two over par to close the event at 222, one shot away from her first collegiate top 10. And Turner matched Williams with her own 74 that had her tied for 36 at 226. That's a plus 10. The Dukes posted a final day 303 on the par 72, 5,991-yard Cougar Point course to climb to ninth in a 41-team field, raising two more spots on the leaderboard and 11 total places for uh, from their first-round position, that is. Uh, so a, a tremendous comeback for the JMU women's golf Dukes. 
The CA Tuesday announced that JMU softball redshirt junior Logan Newton and freshman Lauren Burnett were honored for their play last Saturday as the Dukes opened up the season. Newton is the player of the week for the third time in her career. She had an outstanding performance at the Cavalier Classic, helping the Dukes to go 2-0 uh, with a win against Virginia. That was a 5-1 final and a victory over George Washington, 8-4. The right fielder finished the weekend with a 500 batting average, going four for eight with a three-run triple. That was key in a seven-run seventh inning that propelled the Dukes past George Washington as they trailed four to one going into the top of the seventh. She also had a home run against Virginia earlier in the day, finishing with five RBIs, and she came across the plate herself twice. Uh, Burnett claimed Rookie of the Week laurels by posting a 571 batting average, going four for seven over the two games. She went three for four with two doubles in the Dukes' comeback win against GW. Saturday night's JMU men's soccer match has been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns within the George Washington Colonials program. The Dukes are actively looking to replace that game, so do keep track of all the updates on JMUsports.com. JMU is ranked number 15 in the uh, top drawer soccer top 25 poll, number 26 by Collegiate Soccer News on the top 30 poll, and received votes this week, the first release of the United Soccer Coaches poll. The home schedule for the JMU Baseball Dukes begins this weekend. Three games against the Bowling Green Falcons. Uh, those games are 3 o'clock on Friday and Saturday and at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Let's uh, take a little peek at the Dukes for this 2021 season as we're joined by Shelby Walker and Gabby Leggett right after these words from United Bank. At United Bank, we wonder, why pay for things that you could get for free? Take our absolutely free checking. There's no minimum balance, no monthly fees, unlimited check writing, no per check fee, a free United Visa check card, free online banking and bill pay, plus free e-statements. And these are just some of the features. Yeah, we think it's pretty good too. So why would you pay when you could get absolutely free checking from United Bank at your service? $50 minimum deposit to open. Member FDIC. United Bank says, go Dukes. Welcome back to another JMU Sports Podcast. I'm Shelby Walker. And I'm Gabby Leggett. COVID-19 brought all spring 2020 sports to an end, including JMU baseball that went 10-6 and overall with no conference games played. They started off last season with three losses in their series against NC State. This year, they started off in a similar fashion, losing their first three games against another ACC team, UNC. The first game of the season wasn't supposed to be until two weeks later against Bowling Green. Due to COVID-19, the CAA decided to split the association into two divisions with a North and a South division. The Dukes were selected to finish fourth in the South division for the CAA, where UNCW is ranked at the top of the leaderboard. Following them is College of Charleston and then Elon. Northeastern is ranked first for the North Division. Three of the Dukes were selected for the 2021 preseason All-Colonial Athletic Association team. They are Chase DeLauder, who is a two-way player but was selected for outfield, infielder Kyle Novak, who was selected for a designated hitter, and this was his second time selected for the preseason team. The third player is pitcher Justin Showalter. Speaking of standout players, redshirt freshman Chase DeLauder primarily plays outfield but is also a left-handed pitcher. He earned the Virginia SID First Team honors last season and started all 16 games for the Dukes. He led the team in batting average at 382, 14 runs, 26 hits, 7 doubles, as well as slugging percentage, and he was also tied for first on the team with 7 stolen bases. He started the season on a nine-game hit streak and reached base safely in the first 15 games of the season. He had 14 strikeouts and 14.2 innings. 
Redshirt sophomore Kyle Novak is an infielder that started 15 of the 16 games last season. He batted 317, leading the team with 16 RBIs, and he started off the year with a seven-game hit streak and had hits in 11 of the 16 games. He had six multi-hit games and five multi-RBI games. Redshirt junior Justin Showalter is a right-handed pitcher who made five appearances, including four starts. He went 4-0 with a 0.67 ERA and 26.2 innings pitched. He threw his first career shutout last year against Quinnipiac and led the team in innings pitched at 26.2 and strikeouts at 21. He didn't allow an earned run in 24.2 consecutive innings, which is the longest streak in program history since 1995. Fox Simones is a redshirt senior using his COVID year that is a double threat infielder and outfielder. He had a slash line of 250, 519, and 426 last season, scoring 12 runs as well. He got hit by nine different pitches, which was the most in the CAA. First baseman Brady Harju is a redshirt senior using his COVID year. He had a 275 batting average with six RBIs last season and ended the season with hits in five of his last six games. Middle infielder and right-handed pitcher Nick Zona is a redshirt sophomore that started all 16 games last season. As a freshman, he started in all 30 games he appeared in before missing half of the season with an injury. In the previous season, he had a career-high five RBIs against Ryder University, going three for four with two runs scored and a double. He had a 10-game hitting streak, which was the longest on the team last season, and he too was named to the Virginia SID second team. The Diamond Dukes' next series is three games against Bowling Green at Veterans Memorial Park on March 5th through the 7th. This is followed by a three-game series with BMI, where the first game is on Thursday, March 11th in Harrisonburg, and Saturday and Sunday's games in Lexington. CAA play begins with a six-game series against Elon on March 19th through the 28th. For JMU Sports, I'm Shelby Walker. And I'm Gabby Leggett. Some programming notes about this weekend series. All three games will have some live coverage. Beginning with Friday's game at 3 o'clock, there is live video coverage of that. Uh, although this is one of our light productions, just the one camera, there is commentary. I'll be there for the play-by-play -play to help you Enjoy that ball game, we do hope. And uh, that again begins at 3 o'clock, free of charge. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we'll have audio only. Uh, Gabby Leggett will join me on Saturday for the broadcast, and Colby Johnson will join me on Sunday. Saturday's game's at 3, and Sunday's game at 1 o'clock. Uh, for all of those links to access for the online coverage, the uh, live coverage, do visit jmusports.com's baseball schedule page, and you will see the watch and listen links adjacent to the schedule for this weekend. Also this weekend, the JMU Football Dukes, there is coverage of their game at Elon. The uh, listen link is available on the jmusports.com football schedule page, and that taps you right into the JMU Glow Fiber Radio Network. Dave Thomas and Clint Estes are traveling down to Elon for that one. You can also hear it worldwide through WSVA online as well. So uh, it's the same link in both places, quite honestly. Uh, also available is Flow Sports, Flow Football. And of course, this is a production done by Elon uh, as the home team does the production. And you can watch all the games, all the remaining games for the Dukes on Flow Football this year with a subscription. But to take a little preview look at this weekend's contest between the Dukes and the Elon Phoenix, let's bring in Carter Inslee. James Madison will open up its conference schedule this Saturday when the Dukes hit the road to take on the Elon Phoenix. Kickoff is scheduled for 1.30 p.m. at Rhodes Stadium. 
JMU and Elon have both played two games so far against non-conference opponents. The Dukes are off to a 2-0 start on the season after defeating Moorhead State 52-0, followed by a 36-16 win over Robert Morris. Elon's season, however, has had a bit more turbulence so far. After squeaking out a 26-23 victory over Davidson, the Phoenix fell to Gardner-Webb 42-20, putting their record at 1-1. They'll have to put that loss behind them as they get set to face JMU, the number one ranked team in the nation. The Phoenix's season opener against Davidson was a nail-biter. Elon was trailing for most of the second half, but with just 30 seconds to go, quarterback Joey Boffman found Donovan Williams for a touchdown to take the lead, and the Phoenix held on to clinch the victory. This win put Elon at number 24 in the FCS poll, but that ranking quickly went away following the loss to Gardner-Webb. In that loss, Elon led 17 to nothing at one point, but then the wheels fell off as Gardner-Webb dominated Elon on both sides of the ball, outscoring the Phoenix 42-3 from that point on. It was a disappointing loss for Elon since it was expected to win that game easily and improve to 2-0. Elon's head coach Tony Trishiani spoke to the press the other day, talking about what he felt went wrong during that second half. It was, it was certainly a tale of two halves. You know, we, we blocked and tackled better in the first half. We were plus three in takeaways in the first half. You know, in, in the last 30 minutes, we struggled to move the ball. We turned the ball over. Uh, we had trouble stopping the run later in the game. They took advantage of some short field opportunities and, and rode that momentum, you know. When looking at Elon's first two games this year, one thing that stands out is the quarterback play of sophomore Joey Boffman. Boffman didn't play too much quarterback in 2019, throwing the ball just eight times, but he's taken on the role of starter this year, and so far has handled it well. He completed 82% of his passes against Davidson in the first week and 62% against Gardner-Webb. In addition, after throwing it 43 times over these two games, Boffman has yet to throw an interception. Unfortunately, Boffman suffered an injury in the third quarter of the Gardner-Webb game, and his status for Saturday remains unclear. Joey um, came out of the game early in the third quarter, and um, you know he's still being evaluated with him. You know, we we'll hope to have a better feel here as the week goes on. Elon is already without their senior quarterback, Davis Cheek, who suffered a foot injury a couple weeks ago that will likely keep him out of the entire spring season. So there's a chance that JMU will be facing Elon's third-string quarterback, J.R. Martin. Martin was a solid 8-for-11 on his pass attempts when he came in for Boffman last week, but he was also sacked three times and threw an interception. The run game was also something that Elon wanted to improve this season, as they had one of the worst rushing offenses in the CAA in 2019. Junior Jalen Thomas ran for 129 yards in the loss to Gardner-Webb, so it looks like he'll play a big part in reviving the rushing attack this year. The game against JMU will for sure be a tough matchup for Elon. JMU has one of the most talented defenses in the FCS, so having to play a third-string quarterback against a defense of that caliber could cause some issues. Of course, this is the first of two matchups between JMU and Elon this season, so if the Phoenix falls short in this one, they'll get another crack at taking down the Dukes next month. But for now, they'll be trying to get their first home win over James Madison in program history. Thank you, Carter. Well, the JMU men's basketball Dukes making a little history of their own as uh, they are the number one seed for the CA tournament for the first time since the 92-93 season. The Dukes are hosting the tournament uh, starting Saturday at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. With more on JMU basketball, let's invite in Tucker Stunts and Noah Ziegler. Welcome back to the JMU Sports Update podcast, the hoop section with myself, Tucker Stunts, and Noah Ziegler. Got some basketball news, getting ready for some postseason basketball and CAA tournaments. 
starting with women's basketball, Noah, what did you like from this past weekend with them finishing up their regular season? Well, I liked how they responded. And on top of the fact that what a defensive stand for the women's team, obviously uh, losing the first game 51, 48 is pretty disappointing. And obviously scoring 48 points is not ideal in terms of offense. You're rarely going to win a game when you score 48 points in college basketball, but they only gave up 51 points. It's, it's kind of like the Virginia effect. The next game, they respond with a 61, 51 victory, which obviously doing a lot better on the offensive end and holding Drexel to 51 points yet again, uh, a big performance in the second game from Claire Neff. She had 17 points, nine rebounds. Uh, another Peyton McDaniel had 11 points in that game. And Kiki Jefferson had seven points, nine rebounds. So it's important for them when Kiki had an off night, she went two of nine. The fact that the Dukes were able to kind of make up for that, they were able to still have or still come out with a victory in that second game. That shows that, all right, they're, they're in a good spot heading into the tournament in terms of they have the depth, they have the players coming in. Just again, you know, the the fact that they're splitting these games, I think there's I think head coach Sean Regan said to O'Neill is that there's one team that they haven't split with. And, you know, that that just shows the CAA is just an absolute dogfight at top to bottom. And just the fact that beating teams twice in a row is a very difficult thing to do. But it's tournament time. They don't have to worry about doing it twice in a row, but they have to worry about doing it once. And that's all that matters. So. Tucker, what did you think from this series? And uh, what do you think it means kind of as we near the postseason for the women's? I like what you said about how obviously there's no more double headers. Uh, and obviously we've seen a bit of a trend with some of these double headers in the women's basketball team that one day gets one day can be cold shooting. The other day can be really hot. And obviously, like you said, don't really have to worry about that. You take it one game at a time when you're in the tournament and you're not playing back to backs, getting those couple of days in between. See, that's what we saw on Saturday. The Dukes, you know, came out good start as they always do. And then that second half, that shooting percentage just went down and they couldn't get it going. But when you come back on Sunday and you pick it back up, that's all good. And that, you know, it's, it's good to get a win out of there. You don't want to wrap up the season losing two. So to get that one win is huge. That win puts a Dukes 13 and nine overall, nine and six in the conference for the regular season, which currently has them sitting as the number two seed in the CAA ahead of the tournament. Still a couple women's basketball games being finished up this week. But yeah, like you said, we're getting ready for just postseason stuff. These women's games were a little more important as it comes to seeding. But, you know, we've seen the split before. And I think that I think they're set up well for the postseason. I don't think there's a lot to be worried about. I don't think that cold shooting in one game and then the next day coming back with hot shooting, like I said earlier, is going to be a problem. And like you said, hopefully people can keep stepping up. Claire Neff, another great result. Peyton McDaniel back too. The one thing that really proved to me that this team is very well-rounded was just the defensive aspect. I had not seen or really heard of the women's basketball team playing this sort of elite defense. It showcased on Sunday. I think they had, they left Trexel, I want to say 17 for 59 from the field. The Dukes also stepped up from around, around the perimeter, shooting 50% from three, eight for 16. You know, like we say, keep this rhythm going into the postseason. Hopefully, you know, those perimeter shots are going to keep falling and getting ready to head down to Elon for the CAA tournament. And another thing is on Diouf, uh, in the first game, she had 16 rebounds, seven of them on the offensive side, nine on the defensive side. Getting his seven offensive rebounds, that's just that's that's just flat out impressive to do. But in that game, Kiki Jefferson, again, struggled. She had eight points, three of 13 shooting, 0 of 4 from deep. Uh, but she added 12 rebounds. And I think what's key for this JMU team is 
not not necessarily that everybody has to be hot on every single night for the conference tournament. Obviously, head coach Sean O'Regan and every JMU fan would love that, and that's obviously would be a recipe to go through and win the CAA tournament. But realistically, that's not going to happen. What's key is just making sure that it, you know if one player is having an off night, two other players are stepping up. If you're not, if a player can't find it any rhythm scoring, they're finding other ways to do little things to kind of catch momentum in the in the areas that don't really show up on the stat sheet and just figuring out just simple ways, simple yet just you got to work at it ways to win. I think that's going to be huge for JMU. And like you said, a couple more games to be played this week, uh, Towson, UNC, Wilmington, uh, Towson, or yeah, Towson, UNC, Wilmington twice, Charleston, Elon, just once. We'll see what happens, what shakes up with the seeding, but it's going to be an interesting CAA tournament down to Elon, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, outside of the freshmen on the team and the transfers, this JMU women's basketball program is experienced with the CAA attorney. They're experienced with the postseason. They're always competitive. So we know there's no really different mindset going into it. Second overall, hey, you didn't win first. Doesn't matter. Go take the CAA tournament. That CAA tournament for the women's side is going to be March 10th through the 13th, hosted at Elon University. Brackets still to come out, like we said. As long as the JMU Dukes stay at that second seed, they'll be playing Thursday, March 11th for their first game in that second round. All right, but before the women's get started with their postseason, this upcoming weekend is the CAA Men's Basketball Championship held in our very own Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, The JMU Men's Basketball Dukes Conference Regular Season Champions for the first time since the 1991-92 season. That is... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a long time. That's before you and I were born and... uh, that's a little shocking, but, you know, obviously JMU's last tournament appearance came in 2013 or the 2012-2013 season when the Dukes won the CAA then. That was the last time they won the CAA, or the CAA tournament. And they have a chance this year, Tucker. I think this is obviously their best chance since uh, in a couple of years to win the CAA tournament and to get back to the big dance. They're the one seed, obviously. They're the host. And they play the winner of Elon and Towson, and their bracket is official. But uh, Elon Towson, two teams have beaten. But before that, uh, we do kind of have to rewind this. I think Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record said it best regarding the JMU Drexel game, the final regular season game for the Dukes uh, this season. He said, I think he tweeted that he's never had a game recap be so little about the score and much more about the news that dropped an hour before tip-off last Friday, which was Matt Lewis being ruled out for the rest of the season with an injury. Obviously, uh, our prayers go to him for a speedy recovery, healthy recovery, as he likely prepares for professional basketball. But uh, Tucker, Dukes lost 84 to 78. It was a hard fought game. I, I think Drexel is a, a very sneaky team. But Tucker, what you what you think of the Dukes and the Dragons game? And obviously, uh, Matt Lewis's absence being a pretty big impact. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you about Drexel. I think their conference record doesn't really show who they are. Four and five in the CAA. Tough tough to lose your last regular season game, especially on senior day. The Dukes honored two seniors, that being Zach Jacobs and Matt Lewis. And obviously talking about Matt Lewis, it is unfortunately the sob story that he you know, has had this great season, great career with the Dukes. And unfortunately, that knee injury where he took in a game against Hofstra February 14th, Um, You know, people kind of played it down saying he wanted to get back in that game. It wasn't anything serious. About a week later, obviously, we all now know that Matt Lewis will be missing the remainder of the season, including the postseason that starts in just a week. I mean, yeah, it's tough, like we said, but, um, you know, it doesn't discount what the JMU men's basketball team has achieved this year. 
first in the CIA, regular season champs, great honor and congratulations to them. And congratulations to head coach Mark Byington too in his first season. Speaking of head coach Mark Byington, he said that he was heartbroken for Matt, that he's not going to be able to compete in the postseason, um, but he had a special year and he was a huge part of their success. Matt Lewis was first in the CIA scoring. He was in those points coming up to the postseason is going to be a challenging hurdle to get over. Uh, this team, like we've talked about before, this is a brand new brand essentially for the JMU men's basketball team where multiple guys can get it done and even though Lewis might not be on the court, I'm pretty darn sure he'll be on that bench and be with the guys this postseason, making sure that their heads are right, making sure everyone's on track so they can, you know, get into this. I mean, home tournament, home CAA tournament, and you're the one seed. I mean, you're looking at the two best options you could possibly have when starting the postseason. With Matt being out, I think this will kind of motivate the team, say, hey, we're, you know, we're the number one seed. Matt Lewis will not be able to play in a CAA tournament as a number one seed. And I think the guys on the floor are going to, you know, carry that for him and do this kind of for him. And, uh, but obviously do it for themselves and do it for what they've achieved this year. I mean, just a great regular season from the JMU Dukes, 13 and six overall in the year, eight and two in the CAA. And like we said, good for first in the CAA. That Drexel game, you know, is a little tough. Drexel four and five in the CAA. I think that, uh, you know, they're a pretty good team. The Dukes tried to stay in that game the entire time. There was no giving up towards the end saying, hey, um, you know, it's just this game doesn't really matter. I mean, JMU would not fade out of this game. They hit consecutive threes to bring it within two twice in like the final two minutes. So now we have to look for who's going to step up for the Dukes. Obviously, Vado Morse Jr. racked up 25 in that game. And, uh, you know, the Dukes tried to complete a double-digit comeback. Didn't happen. You know, get ready for March. March is here, as everyone is saying. Um, what are some big things, big keys you want to see from the Dukes or you think we're going to see as they now, with the absence of Matt Lewis, get ready for this postseason? Mm -hmm. Well, in the, in the postgame Zoom, Vado Moore said something that kind of really stuck out. And I think fans and everyone really, it, it, we're going to get the chances or chance to see is without Matt is, well, Matt and Zach are the only two people not going to return next year. So the fact of the matter is, is this is what next year's team is going to look like, obviously, without Zach Jacobs. But, yeah, Vado Moore said this is this is going to be what it's like next year. Obviously, the new freshmen are going to add some, and we've seen this year how much freshmen can make an impact. But like, like you said, different players are going to have to step up into a role. I think one of those players is going to be Jalen Hodge, who went four of six from downtown against Drexel, six of ten uh, from the field. He, a Louisiana Monroe transfer, another transfer just like Moore's, he's going to be able to provide kind of a shooting spark. Um, he's, he's the type of guy that can very quickly kind of make up those points lost with Lewis. I know Coach Byington said after the game that it's more than the points that we that the Dukes lose with Matt Lewis, but Jalen Hodge had 16 against Drexel. You know, if he can spot, like spurt out a 16-point game and Justin Amani can get up there in terms of points, then all of a sudden you start to see some of that ground made up but Zach Jacobs is going to be huge because his veteran presence on the court is going to be, uh, like like I just said, absolutely massive. I think a good thing, obviously, is having Matt Lewis on the bench. And like you said, there's absolutely no way that Matt Lewis doesn't be just as involved as he can. He's going to do the most he can that doesn't involve him suiting up and being out on the court. But Zach Jacobs brings that experience. Vado Morris, Jalen Hodge, Julian Wooden – They've been through this before. Michael Christmas, Javis Harvey, the list goes on with all the people who've been here before. But it's conference tournament time. This is a whole new ball game, And obviously the freshmen, 
the freshmen are going to be the ones to have to step up. They're going to, this is the spotlight now. So when you look at someone like Terrence Edwards, Edwards, Terrell Strickland, it's their chance to really go, Hey, we're the future of this basketball program. So the CAA tournament on Jamie's campus, it's really, it's really set for them. It's set for them to have this opportunity, but Julian Wooden, he went out of the game against Drexel uh, in the first possession, he came down wrong on the offensive end and then immediately at the dead ball, he limped off the court. Hopefully he's fine. Hopefully he can be back because he provides a bit of height for JMU, which again, when you lose someone like Matt Lewis, who's taller for, uh, I guess, on the tall side for guards, uh, especially in the CAA, uh, you need that height. And for someone like Julian, um, who provides that height already for JMU, uh, his absence would be huge as well. Uh, and, and, you know, combine that with Matt, that would be a tough tough pill to swallow for coach Byington, but like you said at the top, uh, congratulations to him. Obviously with JMU coaches and success in the first season, we saw it with Mike Houston with the football team. Uh, I want to say Paul Zizinski's first season of the men's soccer team, they went to the, uh, the college cup elite eight. So, and now we're seeing it or Kurt Signetti, he went to the national championship. Now we're seeing it with Mark Byington. So some, some with JMU and first year head coaches, there's some in the water, but obviously focusing on men's basketball again, now to that point where they have to sit and wait and then they game plan. Obviously they're probably game planning for both Elon and Towson, but you got to sit and wait before you really know. And that anticipation has to be, it's so nerve wracking, especially for them wanting to wanting to get to the CAA championship and win. But it's going to be it's going to be such a fun weekend to watch basketball, especially when it's happening in such a beautiful arena like the Atlantic Union Bank Center. Yeah. You know, I think the questions that the Dukes have to ask themselves is, you know, who you know, who in between all of us is going to step up or how as a team are we all going to be able to step up together? And like you said, now that you have a senior veteran like that out, that leaves room for these guys like Terrell Strickland to get in on the action, show what they can do, especially when you're playing playoff basketball. And like you said, there's all these different guys who kind of need to lock in here for this postseason and say, hey, maybe I've only been averaging eight, nine points a game. I'm going to step that up and start putting 14, 15 up. Jalen Hodge, too, with his shooting, if he can get back in his rhythm, he went four from, four from six from three on Friday. And then Terrell Strickland, like we talked about earlier, he had, I think, 31 steals on the season, which is tied for the 10th most ever recorded by a JMU freshman. So, you know, all these guys are very versatile and they all know what they're doing. And I, we know all these kids have played playoff basketball games before. Obviously, this, these being some of the biggest ones, but seeing all these teams plenty of times this year, getting to do it in your own backyard is, uh, is a very humbling and honestly just amazing experience for this team, you know, don't have to worry about traveling, anything like that. Sit tight, wait for this day to come. And then guess what? Lights come on. You got to play some CAA basketball. Yeah. It, it, it can't be understated just how important it is for them to be able to, they know the arena, they're going to know, they're going to feel at home and cause it literally is their home. So them being able to just have that feeling of this is our place defend our house is going to, I feel like give them almost a, just a psychological advantage just to, really say all right defend our own house but also the fact that they're used to everything they don't have to worry they they get to sleep in their own bed at night that and that that honestly can't be understated being able to have that but you know the fact that they're going to be used to the area obviously they're going to be used to just everything they're not going to feel out of place they're not going to feel their game day mojo is going to be able to just roll through like any other game day on or at home so that's just going to be huge. And like you said, it's, it's going to be time 
for the freshmen who have obviously been in situations like these, but there's nothing like March Madness and college basketball. So this is welcome to college basketball. Welcome to JMU Dukes basketball. But they, they've, they've been tasked with something that's pretty hard, and that is to right the ship of the program. And they've done a great job so far, led by uh, Coach Byington. So up next for the Dukes, like we said, staying at home for the CAA tourney, that first game they'll be playing March 7th in the quarterfinal round. Thank you for tuning into the JMU Sports Update podcast, Hoops Edition. It's March, so, you know, the Hoops Edition has a little bit of, little bit of a pizzazz to it, a little pep in its step. But uh, for Tucker Stunts, I'm Noah Ziegler, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, gentlemen, for your contribution to today's JMU Sports Update podcast. Let's hope the basketball Dukes continue to have a bit of pep in their step and quite a bit of pizzazz in the postseason. That'll wrap up this week's edition of the JMU Sports Update podcast. Once again, I'm Kurt Dudley, and this has been presented to you by the United Bank. The JMU Sports Update podcast is a production of JMU Athletics Communications. Go Dukes!